0: Hey everyone, welcome to Active and Connected Families. Today we're going to be talking with Dana Kumar from Virginia Family Therapy about compassion fatigue. You know, the stress that folks experience from helping or wanting to help people who are experiencing trauma or suffering. Parents, healthcare workers, teachers, people with big hearts, almost everyone in today's world experiences a part of compassion fatigue at some point. And the beautiful thesis of this whole episode is that we experience compassion fatigue because we have love and empathy for other people, but it can leave us grumpy, exhausted, worried, and even numb. And One of the best ways through it is to reach out to help ourselves, to call our friends, our neighbors, our family, our coworkers, and be honest about how we are feeling. So like always, we can take better care of other people when we allow people to take care of us but the hard part is that we have to give space and time to ask for help and look for connection ourselves. Dana specializes in trauma, attachment, and adoption. She absolutely uses some therapeutic ideas with me during this episode, so you'll get a sense of her gentle and intelligent style. Without further ado, here's Dana. Active and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovic johnston child psychologist, mother of three, and entrepreneur. I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high-achieving mothers, and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed. We're all struggling in some of the same places, and we're all looking for some down-to-earth advice that we can actually use. So on active and connected families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives throughout. I hope to make you laugh at least once, but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, Dana. Hey, Amanda. Let's get right into it. Today, we're going to be talking about how do we take care of the caretakers. And I know you're an expert on the topic because you're speaking to all the hospitals and you're always telling me about your PowerPoints. Um, and I'm just impressed so <laughs> that you made a PowerPoint. But tell me a little bit about what you're seeing and what your kind of overview is on. Taking care of the caretakers right now?
1: I mean, I feel like our communities, I know you're in Charlottesville, I'm in Lynchburg. There's a lot going on in both of our communities, and there's been a lot of scary things that have happened in the last couple of years, um, whether it was, you know, the stuff in Charlottesville to the pandemic to some of the shootings that have happened in both of our communities recently. And it's just seeming like people are like really. Having a hard time, and their nervous system is always kind of charged because they're like, What's this next thing that's gonna happen? And people are feeling scared, right?
0: Oh, I 100% agree with that. And to take it to the next level, people are feeling scared, and a lot of moms, just like me and you, and a lot of parents, just like me and you, feel tasked with taking care of our community, taking care of ourselves. Taking care of the fear and sadness that we have while also trying to create some holiday magic for our children and some rituals and routines for the next few days. It just feels so confusing. Yeah.
1: I think that's what happens after these events, right? It's like a titration between the good and the bad, right? And then our brains just don't know always where to settle because we are kind of just holding. I I'm landing in a place where I might be okay today but there was that really horrible thing that just happened. So our brain kind of does this tricking thing where it's like can I land in the okay of the holiday magic or do I have to go is my brain really bringing me right back into that memory of what just happened for us? And I think a lot of people are talking about how do I stay in maybe both places of the good and what just happened?
0: And that is Even what you said gave me a sense of anxiety and also beauty of how do I stay in both? Because I've been really telling myself, it's okay to feel joy during Mm -hmm. this time. It's also okay to feel sadness during this time. But really it is. How can you feel both and go in and out of both throughout the next few months? And honestly, through our lives, because this is what happens when we get older. Hard things happen, and we still have to take care of the people around us when hard things happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I'd say this all the time, I'm trained in eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. It's a trauma treatment, right? And what we really are talking about is how do you create, it's called dual awareness, meaning how do I have one foot in the present moment, while also understanding that things were hard, right? So I think a lot of clinicians, when they talk about this idea of staying present, it really is those grounding and mindfulness things that come to to the start of what we need right now today, right? And so I, it's for me as a mom, this is just what I experience: is that really like, how do I really take that breath that I need to take mm-hmm. to engage in whatever's coming next? And what I've learned Um, through taking the breath is not everyone breathes that deep breath that we're looking for. You're a swimmer. You know that like right in your lats, that's like intense breath. That's the breath you're looking for. And then somatic experiencing, when I'm teaching people about it, it really is taking as if you feel as if there's that rubber band around your lats, Mm -hmm. breathing as much as you can. So it feels as if you're going to pop it off. Because you're getting that deep breath that you need to come back into the moment, right? If we're coming in with shallow breaths and anxiety from our chest at the beginning, how are we even going to be aware of what's going on in the day, right? Absolutely. It's that that long breath that we all need to take. And then also just bringing awareness to the environment. Carolyn did an awesome job on our website with that grounding technique that she put up Oh, yes, she did. Yeah. And like, it was good to remember that, like for us to be able to do both the good and the processing of what just happened, we do really need to be mindful and grounded in the moment.
0: So talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing from moms, dads, family members, community members during this time that what are, what are people experiencing that we need to be aware of?
1: Well, there's different layers of how trauma is affecting people, right? So um, you could be experiencing burnout, you could Mm -hmm. be experiencing compassion fatigue, or you could actually be experiencing the vicarious trauma, meaning Maybe you weren't directly in the event that happened, but you're hearing narratives or you're hearing things that happened to other people, or maybe there's just an intensity of something that happened to you when you were a child that's bringing up something that you're feeling, a trauma thing, that you're actually maybe needing some help from a therapist to reprocess what might be going on for you. So let's
0: start with actually burnout, because I think the research shows that parents across the board after the pandemic are experiencing, and and especially moms, right, because we do carry more of a mental load. And guys, research says this, I'm not just like spewing feminist ideals. (laughs) I want to be spewing feminist ideals frequently. Um, But parents really are and moms are experiencing significant burnout from the pandemic. And now we're continuing to go at this kind of breakneck pace faced with hard community traumas. What does burnout look like what does
1: burnout look like? I mean, it's a—it's definitely that persistent state of exhaustion, right? Like where you're just feeling tired all the time, emotionally exhausted. Maybe you're more cynical in things. Um, maybe it's hard to just even get perspective because it just seems like an overwhelming rush of those feelings over and over and over, right? I mean, I went to the UVA
0: soccer game on Sunday of this week and the other team, Marshall, was cheering so much louder than we were, even though we were at home. It was the home. Virginia was the home team. And I just looked around and I was like, everyone here is just so tired. We are yeah. so tired after this week of stress we we can't even cheer when we care. We're we obviously care about these people so much, and we want them to do well, but we can't get loud about it. To me, I felt like our community was a
1: little burnt out. Yeah, I could see that actually, Amanda. It seems like we're all coming together, but in the coming together, there's exhaustion that come with it too, because it's Absolutely. just an event, right? You're like another thing, another mm-hmm. time where we're coming together. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yep. So
0: what about compassion fatigue? What does that look like?
1: So it's like interactions that you're using a lot of compassion. So here we are talking about this. Maybe Mm -hmm. you are down at UVA helping kids. I know I'm part of a trauma response team that's going to be helping those people at UVA pretty soon. And it's just you're really putting a lot of like your physical, emotional, spiritual self into others. And, it, it, and you're giving so much, you just feel a lot of tired. And it's different than burnout because it really is just a deeper level of giving compassion to others. And maybe that's true for our kids too, right? Oh, maybe we're that- giving a lot.
0: I'm willing to bet that everyone within our community right now is experiencing some level of compassion fatigue because we all do feel so compassionate for what's been happening. Yeah. So it's compassion.
1: Yep. And that's what separates burnout from compassion fatigue is you actually in compassion fatigue have like an exposure to a secondary trauma. Right. So maybe the event that happened, we're all exposed in some way to it. So it shifts Mm -hmm. out of the burnout and maybe more into the compassion fatigue.
0: So what are signs and symptoms of compassion fatigue? Like what does that look like?
1: I think a lot of it is like, um, you know, feeling irritable, tired, um, maybe having like, when I say really say perspective taking, maybe everything feels as if it's like the world's kind of caving in and things just are really hard and you're Mm -hmm. having a hard time of like being able to step out and see like what's really going on that maybe everything just feels very tunneled and like narrowing down on you, like very heavy, I would say.
0: I think for me, sometimes when I experience compassion fatigue, I give so much to the community during the day and I essentially use all of my flexibility muscles, right? I'm so compassionate. I have a lot of empathy for what other people are experiencing. And sometimes when I walk in the door, it's hard. I've used that muscle up. It's really hard for me to access that muscle with the people in my home. And when I start getting irritable or unempathetic to their issues, I realize I've hit a fatigued point.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. Or like maybe even, I don't know, like I, I feel kind of embarrassed saying this, but it part of me feels like I feel judgmental towards others in a way that I wouldn't normally feel judgmental, well, right?
0: That's a great one. Yeah. Cause when we're judging, we lose our empathy, we lose our compassion.
1: Yeah, like it's more cynical and more like where I'm usually like I can have empathy for days, right?
0: I mean, you know me yeah.
1: <laughs> in
0: this moment where you hear me like complaining in the car about something, and I'm like blah 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 blah, and I like drop the f bomb a lot, and then I'm like kind of over it. But that is that's when I hit my compassion fatigue. I've like hit I've hit my ability to kind of deal with all of those things, and then I'm fine once I let it out. Usually.
1: Yeah, I know it's like an ongoing, I think, you know, this David's Davidson, uh, my husband's an emergency room doctor. So sometimes we'll sit in the car and one of us will have something going on. And at the end of it, we always just because we just know that we just were reaching a level of we've just seen too many patients that day, maybe. And mm-hmm. like, I'll just one of us usually turns to each other and is like, Do you feel better? Does that feel okay? Now? <laughs> and We both just kind of laugh at each other because we're like, I'm so sorry your day was full of like taking care of others and really having to use yourself in a way that was hard today, you know?
0: And that you hit your max today, right? And like that sometimes you hit you your do, max. Yeah, I think that I'm gonna help because my husband's a psychiatrist and so we we have the same kind of dynamic, especially when things are hard on a community level and they get really hard around the holidays, they get really hard around January, February. So we both kind of come home with our cups empty around compassion fatigue. And so knowing that those patterns exist in our home, it actually helps me be a little more proactive about it. Like I might be able to have more compassion for him now that I've recognized that I have to do those things in January and February for him.
1: That makes sense, Amanda. And I think that stands true for our kiddos too, right? So like, There may be times when our kids just had really hard days at school and they come home with um, bigger emotions or maybe like behaviors that we are like, wow, they're really struggling. In the moment, it doesn't feel like we can take that perspective, but maybe that's what it is. And I know if I'm already at a level where I just am not doing the best, maybe I, I saw too many people or I'm feeling compassion fatigue from like the community response of what's been going on. I really do need to tag David in. I will tell him, hey, buddy, I need you to tag in so I can take out.
0: That makes so much sense. I remember one time recently I had on a pair. Actually, it was like five years ago. So I'm not totally dating myself. But I had on a pair of those big fry boots. And I was oh, yeah. so stressed about something and I just like stomped my foot. But it was so loud because of the boots and it just kind of like scared everyone. And I, and, and I really should have tagged in someone else. I should have tagged in Robert at that point because I shouldn't be stomping in my fry boots. They're just way too loud.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is that, or like maybe even like, sometimes this is harder, like, um, cause you know, we have a child that we adopted and so we have patterns of grief and loss and we also have patterns of joy and excitement too so I want to mm-hmm. mention that but sometimes if David's working I do need to tag in a neighbor to just help me out a little bit because it's if he's on a cycle where I'm having a hard time and I know I have to give a lot sometimes I just need some help to have a neighbor be like it's going to be okay you know oh, like
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I always talk about essentially holding, holding people, right? So I have clinicians on my team, and their job is to kind of hold the emotions of the clients. And when they get stressed, they take it, in, in therapy, we have supervisors. So when they get stressed or they hit their, where their cup is full of, com- of compassion fatigue, essentially, they can give some of that stress to their supervisors. And then when their supervisors are stressed, they can essentially give it to me at this point. So we all kind of hold on to each other. And then when I'm stressed, I will usually go right back to those supervisors. So we're all kind of holding each other when we feel at our max of what we can do, but you have to be able to recognize it and ask for help in order to, to be the person that you want to be.
1: Yeah. Oh, that makes sense.
0: If you are enjoying this episode and want more mental health support for you or your family, visit us at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. We're a mental health practice with offices in Lynchburg, Charlottesville and Northern Virginia and we provide teletherapy across Virginia and North Carolina. We offer psychiatry, individual, child, and family therapy, and even have some after-school appointments available. Again, that's www.virginiaspelledoutfamilytherapy.com. Thanks so much for listening.
1: So you're really saying like you're just holding a space for others and, um, oh gosh, as a mom, though, I struggle with that, right? Like when you when you have to put your stuff to the side and have somebody tag in because you're feeling really overwhelmed. Do you struggle with that too, Amanda?
0: Totally, but I actually have a strategy that helps me, Dana. And, and I'm gonna share this with everyone. And it seems crazy when I talk to people about it, but I promise you it works. So I'm pretty committed to changing my clothes when I go from work to home. And what that does for me it's like a legitimate visualization of I'm leaving my workday and I'm now a mom. And it it's been hard and more challenging because of the pandemic because so much of my work was happening at home, really clearing up space for that has been challenging. But if I even if I don't have time to change my clothes I visualize changing my clothes before I walk in from my office every day. And I literally envision myself unzipping myself from my body. It's like I'm a weird like avatar or a skins or something. I unzip myself from my body and I walk out. And when I walk out of my body, all of my work stress, I leave in the like crumpled up unzipped body on the ground. And I walk into my space as a refreshed mom with the intention of connecting with my kids. So I visualize leaving work stress, leaving whatever compassion fatigue I had at work. And I and I visualize having a new body coming into my space who's going to have more time and energy for my kids and my family.
1: That makes perfect sense because I actually do that with clients when they leave my office. I will say, hey, what if we just imagine me closing the door with me behind it and you can leave this here for me next week, right? Or we can talk through this next week. And then like at the end of my ritual day of leaving the office, sometimes if the day is really hard, I will see the door closing and I will just imagine that image of just the door. Like Dana, all that stuff from that day is in that office with those orange lamps. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been in a Virginia family therapy office, we all have the same prints on our our walls (laughs) and it's just hanging out in there and that's where it's supposed to stay for today. Just for today, we can leave it there and you can get in your car and drive home and be a mom to your kiddos. I guess I do that too. I didn't even really think it out.
0: And I think that given the trauma that we're all experiencing right now and even just the stress of life, we are all going to be tasked with having clearer boundaries between when we're caretaking our community and when we're caretaking for our families. And I think that's probably what we're talking about right now is how are we creating that balance and how are we going to be able to do it in a way that's going to sustain for our communities, for ourselves and for our families.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, cuz I think the thing is is when we are hearing these narratives, right? Or we're seeing the visuals st- things that are going on in the community, or maybe we meet somebody that knew some of the people that were in these events, because Lynchburg also had a bunch of events last week, too. You know, it's it's easy to take on the narrative that we're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And it's not abnormal when somebody's sharing a narrative to feel as if you're, your body, your nervous system experienced it, too.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So
1: here you are, and I say this to my supervisees all the time because I am a supervisor, like if a story is way too heavy and you heard really hard details, come to me and let me know about them. And let me know if you need something as you're sharing them with me, because there's no reason for you to have to hold all of that in your nervous system. I'm here to help help you with that as well. And I learned that really, Amanda, from you know, just some of the first responses that we've done with our EMDR team Where at the end of the day, when we're wrapping up doing EMDR with people in the community, the first thing someone will say, is there anybody that needs EMDR today, any clinician that needs EMDR, because the story was too heavy for you. Mm-hmm. And all of us, it's just like this, go for it if you need it. We're here to hold the space for each other. And I think that's the important part of it is no one should just be holding that on their own.
0: And I think we can recreate that in our communities. And by the way, I'm on a whole different other wavelength of ideas around developing communities farther out. But I think we desperately need it right now because we cannot hold this alone anymore. Even when we thought we could, we couldn't. And now we don't even think we can. So, you know, my mom was so nice and was like, "I know you're so stressed because I know you're trying to hold the Charlottesville community community right now. Can I come down and help you with your kids?" And so many people have texted me to just be like, "Hey, just checking in. are you doing okay?" And I'm texting, you know, all of my sweet college students, clients and just people I know around and just saying, "Are you okay?" And I think people are using that space. Hopefully, in a way that was different before, I might have said like, "Oh yeah, things are fine," and I just can't do that anymore right now. I have to be more honest.
1: Yeah, yeah, because I can see as you're talking, like your your voice is letting me you know that your nervous system is settling, and that idea that not only I'm holding this space anymore, that all these other people are coming and holding space for everybody with me as I'm holding. That's the community.
0: Absolutely, and. To me, It's really it
1: was, beautiful. It really oh. is. Dana, it is so
0: beautiful because I think part of it too is I feel really fortunate to have some really nice relationships in this community. And I think that we all have to be more proactive to de- be able to develop and maintain these relationships, despite if we're trying to get our kids to attend soccer practices or despite all of the work that we want to do. We need people right now.
1: Yeah. I'll never forget the start of the pandemic. You're like bringing me back to how strong our community was because, you know, they had said all my husband and all of my friends were frontline workers at the the start of the pandemic. And um, I just remember like people lighting lights in their windows for the people that were like helping. Mm-hmm. I remember like, it's kind of silly, but not like my husband had to take his clothes off on the porch. So we would get text messages of everyone's piles of clothes, just laughing, like knowing no matter where we were in the world, other people were doing that. People bringing masks, like um, an organization in Lynchburg started something around that. Like, I'm hearing that like sense of community across these really hard things we've walked through has been really important for everybody. And it makes, has your story helps me to reflect back on the story we had during that time too, right?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know if I would have been able to make it through the pandemic without my community or even the recent trauma and events that we have experienced because if you listen to me in the podcast that I put out, you know, the day after the UVA shooting, I was so depressed and down and terrified and someone gave me hope. Right? I didn't have hope in that moment and I called Winks, who is my mentor in life, Winks Lawrence for everybody who knows her. I called her and she gave me hope that things would be better when I didn't have it. And her giving that to me, because she has more perspective and she's older, is what allowed me to come and give it to the Virginia family therapy team. But she had to give it to me when I needed it at that time.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's really, that's beautiful. There's a, there's a um, resource in EMDR. So, and um, and before you start the reprocessing of a trauma, you always have to build up your coping mechanisms or what you call internal or external resources. And we spend months doing that before I even go through reprocessing a trauma that happened. And there's this really beautiful one, Amanda, that just sticks to me all the time. It's called you have your clients identify their nurturers, their protectors, and their guides. And you go through each of these lists and you just talk through like who's nurturing in your life, who's protective in your life, and who are your guides, right? And here you are talking to me about one of the most beautiful guides in your life that gave you wisdom, that gave you strength, that gave you encouragement that you could get through last week, right? And then the best part is, which I love about the protective part of the exercise, is the protective part of self, right? Like there's a part of you that probably was like, we're going to get through this. I have strength. I can do it. Like, and I always love hearing this about people when they're reporting about something they went through, is there are these things that we notice internally and externally that help us through these events. Mm hmm. And yours was Winks.
0: (laughs) Mine was Winks. And you want to know another one was was Taylor Harris, who is an author in Charlottesville. She's also a parent. And she wrote on her Facebook, y'all, it was just a Facebook post. And she said, I'm learning that I can experience joy and grief at this time. And I respect her. I just genuinely respect her. And because she wrote that, it reminded me that that is okay. I've been reminding everyone else, like I am I keep on posting the exact same thing. You can experience joy and grief, but I still have felt a little guilty even saying that, even though I know it's okay. And so to see Taylor putting that out there really gave me permission in a way that I needed at that time.
1: Beautiful. Yeah, it's that feeling of both, right? Absolutely. So it sounds like you're getting a lot of, stuff within your community, whether, you know, from external and internal resources, it sounds like Winx was your wise, wise guide. And it sounds like, so was the author. And then that beautiful way you started it, which was that idea of mom as a nurturer, that your mom came down to help you take care of your kids. So you could help take care of the community and take care of the clinicians at BFT, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, Absolutely and i didn't i guess i didn't even think about it as the community coming through to help the community but that's exactly what happened
1: yeah i to this day and i know we talked about this after outside of this podcast but um i was stationed up at that methodist church when the stuff happened in charlottesville and it was a really hard day and and our team was there and i'll never forget I worked with Carol Sims. She's a clergy member and she was at my practice. And I remember looking on the news and here I see Carol linked with all these different clergy and spiritual leaders, all the spiritual leaders in Charlottesville connecting their arms together. And there was like a moment of silence where they were just walking the streets of like, here's our energy, here we're coming, right? And I'm like, there's Carol. (laughs) And then I also remember like, afterwards her explaining to me like all we knew today to do that day was pray with our feet so we came together connecting all of us all these different ideas together no matter what they were all going to come together and i remember just that like silence and being like carol's out there carol's gonna be there Mm -hmm. you know and i think that's kind of what we're talking about today is like these things are happening and things are really hard and I don't want to like minimize or take away from the hard cause it is hard, but I also can hear that there's these moments of like connection and true like nurturing and protection and abilities for people to come together to really hold each other to let us know that we're going to get through it. Right. And that's what I, mean- I hear.
0: I think that's a beautiful piece because what I'm realizing is I think about it as community and it is taking care of the community. But when I think about community, I think about systems and structures. And what is feeding me are these one on one relationships, as small as they are. And so even though I have big ideas and I want to take care of groups of people. Where I'm finding the meaning is in the one-on-one relationships. And that's important.
1: Yeah. It's so amazing. I know I said this in a different uh, time talking to you, but there's people that come into our lives in somatic experiencing. We call them beneficiary allies that for maybe a split second, if the softness of their loving gaze, you know, that really beautiful, like loving eye gaze that we give Mm -hmm. each other when you're connected can connect with somebody else, that maybe there's a softness in both of us, in our nervous system, in our sense of belonging, and maybe the environment where we're connecting that can settle us both. Mm -hmm. And I always think about like the first time I learned about it, I went to Kroger and I was just not being my best self in Kroger because somehow grocery stores are so loud and sometimes I'm just like, what's going on? There's just a lot of chaos. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. And I remember putting all of my groceries on the conveyor belt and that the, the person that was checking me out gave me that loving gaze that like, I see you, I'm here. Thank you for showing up today. And I just remember like I could breathe in that moment and I never even talked to them. We just looked at each other and I felt calm in their presence. Right. And so it reminds me we all can do that for other people.
0: <laughs> I mean, we totally can. And I love to chat, right? That's like my favorite thing to do is to chat and have those kind of warm interactions throughout the day. But I think what I'm really hearing through all of this is we need to be taking the time to slow down and have these relationships. I think we think on some level, chatting with the person who's checking you out at the grocery store is not important. You just showed me how important that was to you. or just slowing down and making sure that we're giving a text to one of our really good friends who we know and love but might take we might take them for granted just really creating the space and the time to develop those relationships and not be on our phones and be present with the people that we love
1: yeah or maybe even just sitting with someone in a high moment of a big emotion right like i'm holding a space for you today and I know it's really hard, right? Like the other day I had a moment with, I don't something came up and I was really sad and I started to cry. And my my two-year-old looked at me and said, mommy's sad. I said, mm-hmm. mommy's really sad. And he's like, mommy, you're sad. And I said, yeah, mommy might be sad for the next couple minutes. I don't know how long mommy's going to be sad, but mommy's going to be sad right now. Mm-hmm. And he just sat there and he looked at me and he said, like, okay, mommy. And then, oh, no. <laughs> and then later in the day, he he was sad. And I was like, what just happened? This was beautiful. But he looks at me and goes, Caleb's sad, mommy. Caleb's sad. And I said, okay. And it reminded me that like, sometimes we have big emotions and it's okay as moms that we can hold a space with reflection just like we can for everybody else too, right? So if you called me and was like, I'm sad, I probably would be like, what do you need? How do I hold that space for you today, right? Absolutely.
0: I feel much better. I'm actually on starting a series to talk about developing these types of relationships and developing these types of communities. And I didn't even know we were going to be talking about this today, but I think this is what we need. And I feel better just having this conversation with you. So I really honestly, like, I thank you, Dana. I really appreciate Uh it.
1: Yeah, I wish people could see our faces too. Like that's the thing is both of us are really soft in our faces right now. And like that's the
0: thing I think I love. Maybe one day I'll put these on YouTube, but I haven't <laughs> I'm not showering for podcasts yet.
1: <laughs> well, there's another way to take care of yourself is taking a shower.
0: <laughs> right. We
1: forget to do that as moms. <laughs> sure do. Sure do. Um, so I know today we talked about burnout and compassion fatigue and then, you know, I'm kind of glad we paused and didn't go into a space of talking about what does trauma look like, right? Or vicarious trauma. But at some point it might be helpful to just really, you know, do that.
0: (laughs) We absolutely will. Um, Thank you so much, Dana. I will talk to you again very soon and we will have you back on. You were so helpful to me and so helpful to the world.
1: Oh, thanks, Amanda. I'm very thankful for you too.
0: (laughs) I love all this cheesiness.
1: Bye.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to like and share the Active and Connected Families podcast if you found this helpful. And if you or someone you love are interested in therapy, you can find out more about our practice at www.virginiafamilytherapy.com. Again, that's www.virginia, all spelled out, therapy.com. Thanks again.